Thank you for tuning in to the 95Killers podcast. We just launched our website, 95killers.com. So now you can listen to full episodes, become a member, and get your 95Killers merch straight from our website. Visit us today at 95killers.com. Now let's start the show. Welcome to the 9to5Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Street strikes me, born in 80s, baby. Lord save me, cause today I'm going crazy with this bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit, crazy with this bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of the 95 Killers Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today, our guest is an amazing businesswoman who only two years ago worked for a private fitness company. Today, she is the founder and head coach of her own fitness and wellness business, O-Train Wellness, with two trainers as part of the team. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce Olesia Zareid Sartseva. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to that. Okay, so now, where are you from? I am originally from Ukraine. I was born there and lived there till with my family till I was 14. And then my family ended up moving to New Hampshire when I was 14. And uh, yeah, and then when I was 19, I graduated college and ended up moving to New York City. Okay, so what was it like um, coming from Ukraine, like leaving your friends and coming to New York? Did you want to come to um, to America or? You know, I mean, I didn't necessarily had a choice in this particular case. Um, my parents made a decision and it was their decision and they, they were just like, all right, we're moving. I was like, oh, cool. All right. Thanks for asking us. No, but how'd you feel about it? I think one thing that my parents did well is they, they kind of hyped it up as it's like, oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be new opportunities for you guys. Like you're going to be able to do all these awesome things. And from watching what the states are like in Ukraine, it's like so much more cooler. So as kids, we're like, yeah, let's do it. OK, so you were excited about moving to New York. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in the movies, they show you like the big uh, metropolitan areas, you know, and the cities and how much fun it is to like go to a park and stuff like that. And we ended up moving to New Hampshire, which is like literally no matter nowhere. So it was like a tiny town. So we went from living in Kiev, which is a city, moving to a tiny town. And actually for the first year that we were there, I kind of missed the cutoff to get into a, high, a school, which was a middle school. I was home for, for the whole summer studying U.S. history and English, and it was like probably one of the most boring summers I've ever had in my life because <laughs> I do remember it, right. and it was awful. Okay, so so now you're in New Hampshire. How was life in New Hampshire? Like, what did you do for fun? Well, I mean, it was uh, totally a culture shock. I mean, I remember my brother used to like complain about my mom actually dressing up to go pick him up from school. Which by dressing up, he meant like she actually put on other something other than sweatpants to like actually meet him from school. So it was different because we, I mean, in Ukraine, it's like important to look a certain way, you know, like you have to dress nice, you have to present yourself well, you have to do your hair, do nails, you know, you have to look nice. And we moved to, you know, literally a town where you can wear your pajamas to school, which was like absolutely unacceptable right. <laughs> for me. So... 
I mean, I was definitely like, I didn't fit in, you know, I had like two friends and definitely bullied in, in high school, you know, always considered really weird. So I guess I was like an ugly duckling in a sense. Yeah, I didn't really actually realize my value and where I have to offer until like way, way later in my life. At what point did you decide to leave and what was the road from there? When I graduated college, I, I just realized that I didn't necessarily want to stay in New Hampshire. And last year of college, I was interning in uh, Washington, D.C. for Library of Congress organization. And I really enjoyed it. And it was 2009, which is, was like literally right when the economy collapsed. Unfortunately, you know, because of that, I didn't get the job. I thought I was going to get the internship job that I originally had when I was an intern, but I didn't get it because of the economic collapse. So I was like, well, I'm not going to stay in New Hampshire just because this happened. So I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go in another city. So I ended up going to New York instead because I had a friend that lived in New York. So I moved to New York without like much actually <laughs> so how much did you have when you left and how were you able to sustain yourself in new york in the big city from new hampshire and how old were you by the way i didn't even ask you 19 you were, I was so 19, 19 yeah uh 19 when i wait i was 24 <laughs> you were 24 okay yeah wait i'm sorry i, I got my dates confused i'm like what did That's i do okay. for so long <laughs> so you were 24 when you came to new york yeah, I was okay. I was 24. Oh, so I guess um, the reason why I don't remember that significantly, like, you know, why between like graduating college and actually, you know, moving to the city, I didn't really do much with myself. You know, I was working at a restaurant and that was about it. You know, I didn't really have much going for myself. I didn't really think I had any talents or any sort of like, a, you know, I would paint sometimes and like I was always spiritual in some ways, but never really anything that... I felt was, you know, important or somehow I can be significant in the world. Okay. So you're 24 and you decide to move to Manhattan. How did you sustain yourself in the city? Well, let's go back a little bit to like 18. I decided that I was going to be Miss New Hampshire and I had somebody who was a friend of ours find me like a hairdresser and a makeup artist that would work on me. I was interested in doing that, but I also, there's a part of me that felt like that wasn't really my thing. I was actually on my way from that hairdresser when I ended up getting in a really bad car accident and I shattered my knee. And then I had some minor internal bleedings and things like that. So because of that, I was able to get a settlement that actually was like a cushion for me for a while. So I was able to have the money to spend whichever way I want because my parents didn't really monitor it. So when I moved to New York, I still had some of the money left. You know, I didn't really necessarily had to like fight to get a job right away. But I, I mean, just the way I am as a person, I, I didn't feel like I could just live off a settlement forever. I pretty much found a job right away. So what were you doing in New York when you first came here? I was a waitress. I was a waitress. I was, I remember my first job, I found it on, it was called Waterstone Grill. It was a, a restaurant in a financial district in Manhattan. I really liked it. I mean, it, I felt like it was something that I enjoyed because it was really fast paced. <laughs> I really liked the interactions with the customers and then I ended up being a bartender there also. Management was pretty easygoing and uh, the owners liked me. So 
I was there for a while, actually. I was there for maybe five, six years, uh, off and on. So that was that was how I started in New York, and it was easy life, you know. Uh, I would like make money, and then I'll go on vacations every two months. So you were a waitress, and you loved that lifestyle, or did you want more? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm gonna, I mean, to be honest, like it was definitely not a healthy lifestyle because every single night I would end up going out and like partying and getting really, really drunk, and for a while I would you know, find a lot of comfort in alcohol. I'm, I mean, I want to say that I didn't really have a healthy relationship with it. You know, it, it was something that I could go to and feel like I could be myself because I was always really shy and really like just not very open with communicating with people. I never really felt the desire to do that either, but I felt like when I drank, I, I was able to just like be friends with everyone. And, you know, a lot of my relationships ended up being with men that we, both the man and, and I were like pretty much drunk the whole time. I mean, not the whole time, but it would be consisting of us going out and getting drunk. Like, that's what we did. What was the turning point of your life when you were like, this is enough, I want something different? At the end of the day, like you can drink and party for a while and then just feel really empty inside. And I think at one point I was like a bit depressed and like what was going on in my life. Um, I started, oh, my mom actually got me into yoga because I, I kept having knee pain from the accident, actually, because I never ended up rehabbing it. So she she took me to, to yoga. Funny that it's my mom that took me to yoga. So I got into yoga like big time and I ended up getting into yoga teacher training. And I did that and it was like a year long process. And I was like absolutely in love with it because I actually for the first time in my whole life I became alive I felt like I was like this is this is it and it's not even like the physical part of it it was um it was like the spiritual part of it it was like feeling things for the first time like I felt like I was numb for so long it was just like no emotion and alcohol was like helping that you know so when I found yoga, I was like, wow, I'm starting to wake up. Like there's parts of my heart that are starting to like melt. Like I can actually feel it again, you know? So I got really excited about it, you know? And it was unfortunate that my mom didn't support me in that. Uh, so you, you did say that your mother, uh, she introduced you to yoga, but you say that she didn't support you. What do you mean exactly by that? <laughs> my mom has a really interesting, um, you know, she, she has a views on things and she believes that those views are the way things are. And she she likes to make big deals about like things without really actually asking any questions about it, about like why are you into it or like what are you getting out of it? She has a tendency to make up her mind before she asks any questions. And so she just like assumed that I joined a cult and I'm going to give all my money <laughs> to the yoga community. And it was like a nightmare because she did not like it at all. So... I think that was kind of like the beginning of um, our, the break of our relationship where I felt like I was going in a direction that she didn't want me to go. Yeah, so that was interesting. Did that, did it make you feel, because um, you seem to, you seem to care what your mom thinks, like most people do, but you seem to care even more. Is that a cultural thing? Well, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, you know. I believe that, I, I mean, I believed what that my mom was like this God creature that knew all the answers to all the questions. And like, she just like this like being that like I need to worship, you know. And, and I also grew up in a, in a, in a, in a, you know, in a society that 
raise their kids basically not really have letting them have their own like thoughts and opinions and things like that so adults made the decisions for them so as an adult like you know your parents tell you this is what you're gonna feel you're gonna like like this is what you should cry about you know so it would be like it's it's a little bit like bully-esque it's it feels like you're being bullied to do what they want you to do i believed her to like knew know all the answers and what's good for me you know and i never really listened to myself and uh, for a while but then i realized that when i do listen to myself that's when i'm the most happy not when <clears throat> excuse me when i like listen to what other people tell me and she just was not having that she's right. like oh you have your own opinion no way <laughs> so yeah i mean it was interesting and because it like it i felt like the more i stepped into my power and became my own person my own woman like my own individual the bigger split happened between like me and my mom you know and also i remember i still remember the day when i finally like you know started to see her as um as a woman as a person that has flaws and not just like this ideal parent and it, i think we all remember that day when we like actually i think you mentioned that to me like about your dad yeah. when you like yeah. fought for the first time ever you're like oh my god you're a person you're not just a dad you, you know, know it's it's true because like even with my father one of the things i like about him is that he is a focused individual and he he goes for what he wants the thing that I relate to him with that makes him a human being to me is that sometimes he doesn't finish what he starts. And so that was something that I started to focus on for myself, like not just being perfect at, or getting something correct, but also finishing it. You know, like my dad played the guitar for many years since I've been a kid. I've, I don't think I've ever heard him play a whole song. So for me, he's dedicated to the art of, of guitar playing, but not to finishing a song. And I thought, man, I, I wonder what it's like to be so good at something and leave so much on the table open. So I didn't want to do that for myself. That made me realize that my parents are not all seen because they have flaws and like we all do. And it makes me understand them better. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was I love my mom and she's a wonderful person, but also I was starting to see like how she lives her life and she basically makes her children like the center of the world. And she thinks, you know, like that's all that matters, you know, and I know that I, I was just very different from her in that sense. Like that's not all that matters to me. You know, I want I want a legacy. I want something that, you know, if I end up ever having kids or just not even my own kids, they'll be like, yeah, that's O-Train. Like she did this. Like, you know, I, I've right. always really loved and cherished that idea, you know, and I think that's what kind of forced me to like go against the grain and like do what I wanted to do and like even though that literally ruined two relationships in my life. Well, that will ruin relationships when you are ambitious to some relationships. So that brings me to this question. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break with this question because um, you brought it up. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing this podcast for about two years now. You're my girlfriend. And the question is, what took you so long to decide to do the podcast? <sighs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think I had to become very aware of where I stand in my career and the things that I want to do for myself in the future in the relationship that we have. <laughs> and I, I just feel like I have a very certain footing right now. I feel I, I'm standing on a very solid ground where before I kind of felt like I was floating a little bit, you know, and I have a tendency to do that anyway. 
But yeah, I, I feel like I'm standing on a solid, solid ground. And I feel like I really know what my values are. I know I, I'm starting to really listen to myself and know what I want, what I don't want. At 36, I'm starting to distinguish like the values of the relationships that I have. And I'm okay with things that are not moving as fast as they need to move. And I'm okay with you know, some clients leaving and new clients coming, I'm okay with the change. And I think I needed to get to a place where I was okay with everything that was happening around me and not feel like I'm somehow like missing and I need missing out. I need to chase someone, I need to move forward. I need to be someone else. I need to ultimately like change myself to be a better version of myself. But I had no idea what that version was. You know? Right. So I think that just took me a while to to step into that place and, you know, watching you with all these people that, uh, I mean, I admire and I think uh, they have amazing stories. You know, I just didn't feel like I had much to say. Wow, it's very interesting that you say that because you're one of the people. So I have to give you uh, some props. So one of the reasons why 95 Killer is is because of you. You're you're one of the first people that I, I thought to interview you know, when I was doing the documentary and the reason why I got to see you, like the people will tell me stories of, of being an entrepreneur, but I got to see you actually do it. Um, I actually learned from watching you do it. So I don't want to spoil that part of it <laughs> by, so I'll let you tell your story first before I, before I, I say what I'm going to say to you. But, uh, so we'll talk about your story You're first. taking my props away from me? Yeah, I'm taking your props <laughs> back. <laughs> and I, so when I first met you, you didn't work for yourself. You worked for a trainer, I forget his name. You're working for someone, right? Yeah, okay. I worked for another company, but I also worked for uh, a huge gym chain. Right. So I worked for the, okay. so it was, um, it was a company that I ultimately, you know, was uh, really excited about when I first uh, met the owner. And I kind of jumped on it because I felt, I saw the potential of like what it could become and like what my role could be. And I love the idea of being my own boss, which is what it offered me in a way because I was an independent contractor. When you say independent contractor, first of all, what was the business and and what was your place in the business? The business was a personal training. The company offered me clients and I trained them. So technically they would be considered the company's clients, but um, I trained them. So there was a percentage split between what the company got and what I got. And as an independent contractor, it just means that you're basically working for yourself and you have to sign a non-compete, non-disclosed agreement saying that, you know, you're not going to take the clients away and things like that when you come on board. So that's like one of the prerequisites. And one of the things is like you know, a few rules that they can't like, they can't force you to do anything you don't want to do. They can't make you wear a uniform. If you, you know, they can't, they can ultimately tell you have to tell them what kind of time you can work and they can't force you to not work you know work any other time if you if you can't do it so you make your own schedule you wear whatever you want you should be able to but that was not the case at this okay. initially I loved it I loved working with there I loved work I loved the owner like I, we were friends like I thought he was my friend felt like he took me through the like the beginning like the very bottom and showed me the, the ropes what it means to travel and work with different clients like we ended up going to New Jersey and I would go with him and I would train clients out there and he he would give me some of his clients to work with which you know I felt like you know 
like you would have to trust me to do that so I felt like he trusted me and I, I so I ultimately grew to trust him as well I felt like he he genuinely meant me well you know I, I genuinely felt like there was a connection between us and when there was only like three four people working for him and and I, I I've always felt like he was very personal and there was no discrepancy at all so when I got clients from him I always felt like they were mine so I would treat them like they were my personal like you know I, I loved them I cared for them and I think that they felt that you know the clients knew that 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 you know I care about them and they're you know I'm genuine in what I do so what happened with that situation I mean you like this job right mm-hmm. so what what happened between you and, and and why why did you decide to go well, in separate ways the initial in the initial, uh, I guess, idea that I got from um, this person is that we can become partners. You know, the business is not just his per- business, but I can actually become, I could have a role in it and be a partner. And that was the impression that I got from the beginning, you know, so. When you was, say the impression, what do you mean? Like you, so you felt that way? I felt that way, but I was also promised that. I was told that, you know, when if I bring trainers, then I'm going to get a certain percentage. So he, pro- so he promised you that. Right. He promised okay, me Okay, so he promised that, you this. Okay. Right. He promised me that he was going to give me percentage um, for the trainers if I bring in trainers. Then he, he, t- he, he didn't really say anything about, like, clients, but trainers he was like yes if you bring trainers we're going to give you a percentage of what they make I was like this is great like you know that was one of the things that I was told you know so I felt like I could become a part of this and then what happened when I asked for that is the he just gave me some really nonsense reason that his accountant doesn't know how to make that happen and then another thing was I wanted to create a boot camp for the brides because brides have become like my number one clientele and I wanted to be a part of the like the branding for it and to actually be a partner with him to do it. And instead of that, he basically told me that there's no way that I'm going to to allow another brand to come and take over what I've created. This is my business. It's all my money. I committed everything to it. And you're basically nobody. And then he kept telling me that, you know, I don't make any money from you anyways, literally verbatim kept saying that to me and so it just kind of came to a point where I felt like it was really abusive and it was a very abusive relationship and he was extremely controlling and he kept like nitpicking and everything I did like he wanted me to like I would tag him in every single post that that I would put out and he would like make sure that you tag me I'm like I did tag you he's like did you like convince your clients to take pictures with your name on it i was like what are you talking about like you think that my clients don't have minds of their own and they don't see that you know i'm a genuine person that cares about them and that they can just like decide to do that to do that for me you know it had nothing to do with what i was asking them to do i actually wasn't asking them at all okay you know i just marketed myself you know very very well i would post a lot of before and afters of my clients and you know they spoke for themselves so of course when people called they started to ask for me and he got scared. He got really scared because he felt like I was going to cannibalize his whole business, also his words. And he hired another person to become his assistant instead of, you know, giving me more responsibility and actually being like genuine about it. And this person started to like boss me around and be my manager. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> right. This like brand new girl that just like walks in and starts telling you this is what you're supposed to be. I'm like, you're the manager. I was like, you know what, whatever. Um, I just still didn't feel like there was anything wrong still because I still have my clients, you know. 
And then like one day they just like took me to, into a room and were like, yeah, I want to let you go. You'll be fine though. I was like, oh, okay. So one day you came into work and, right. and who sat you down? Well, they took me into like a, uh, like an empty office, him and this uh, manager that they have. And he was like, yeah, we have to let you go. And as of right now, we're terminating all your client contracts and like you are not allowed to get in touch with them. And, but you'll be fine. And oh, and give us our shirt back. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? You, you'll be fine. Yeah, that's what he said. He's like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So did he, so he took all your clients away mm-hmm. and that was it. And, and just go. Yeah. And what's funny is he didn't even pay me for the last week that I worked for him. So he owes me like 15 grand for like all the clients that I had. So he owes me money still. Right. But you know, um, I'm not. I was going to pursue it, but then I decided what's the point? Like, it's not even worth it. Right. Wow. So is there any, is there any takeaway that you get from that, that situation? Well, believe it or not, I'm actually really grateful for him for the way things worked out. I think he is an example for me all the time. And I use the method that he used on me and reverse it and do the opposite. (laughs) What do you mean the method that he used on you? So, um, I have trainers now that I hired that work for me and every time I think of like the way he would treat me I would do the opposite of that and it works out really well like what way did he treat you well you know when he promised you you things and don't come through on them uh, when he would say you know hey like you're going to be given 20 percent uh from all of the trainers that you bring in and then just tell me basically forget about it it's not happening okay or if I say I want something to, I want to create this thing and, and you'll be like, oh yeah, definitely. But like, it's only going to be the brand, my brand's idea. You can't have any, any say in how that's going to come out. I don't, I don't do that with my trainers. You know, I don't, I'm very straightforward with them, what I offer them. And I also take the time to train them, which that was never the case at, at the company that I worked for. He never actually took us through any training. We were never told anything on how to do anything. We're just kind of like allowed to do what we wanted. So there wasn't like a standard or a method. There was just a, all right, you know this, good. Go do that. Cool. Man, (laughs) so how how did you feel when, uh, or how did you get afloat once you were let go? Like what what did you, what was your plan? Like how how did it feel in that moment? And then, yeah, just how did it feel in that moment? Oh, I was betrayed. I was heartbroken. I was crying. Um, I was really, really sad and upset. Like I called my dad. I think I called you. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely called me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I was lucky because I still had clients that were not associated with that company that I was still able to see. So I actually, that same day that I got fired, I did end up going and seeing one of the clients that was my personal client. And, um, you know, I, I, I was, I did feel for a moment that I wasn't going to be able to come out of that, you know, like that was like, that was the end of my career, but there was just like a little tiny voice inside my head. But like, there's a huge part of me that knew that I'll be fine. That you knew that, you know, I, I've definitely established myself enough and have a, a very loyal group of people around me that will not just like abandon me and like, let me like, you know, you know, the business die. So Interestingly enough, like within probably the next day, literally two days after, because it just happened that I posted two different brides within that week, right before I got fired and they had amazing transformations and they also have a huge connection 
like they have a huge French friend circle. So I posted those two people and in two days I got all of their friends reaching out to me wanting to work with me. So I literally got maybe 30 people on the list to call and, and reach out to. And I ended up taking pretty much right away about 15 to 20 clients. So I didn't really skip a beat. <laughs> I just right. kind of started, kept rolling, you know. It helps a lot when you have a support system, you know. Like, uh, I think uh, I can give you props, you know, when I say, like, you know, you you didn't really let me just sulk in myself and be like, oh, poor baby. Like, <laughs> you know, you were just like, you'll be fine. Like, you know, it's going to be fine. You already have an established um, foundation. So that was really, you know, that was that was helpful, you know, knowing that I have somebody that believes in me and that knows that I can make it happen. Well, and that brings me to this point. So what I wanted to give you props on was, is that why I wanted to interview you in the first place was because stuff that I, I've learned from you is, I think the biggest thing that I've learned from you is to not do it all by myself. I've had many, 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 many jobs, as you know. Uh, I've been a web designer, been a bartender, graphic designer, logo creation, whatever. I've done a lot of stuff, marketing. Um, but the, the, the plus side is I can do a lot of different things. The minus is, and this goes for any creative listening, is just because you can do it doesn't mean that you do it. And I think the first time that it really struck home for me is when, so when I wanted to get 95 Kills trademarked, and I think I believe you had started the process with trip um, trademarking your business, O-Train. So I wanted to trademark 95 Killers and I was looking at all the documentation to get it done. And you was like, why don't you just hire a lawyer? Like, I was just so set against not doing it. Have no clue how to do it. And then I think you pointed out that you spend money on all these other things, but you won't spend money on a trademark. You know, it's interesting. You've been talking, I've been thinking about I have always believed that I am not, I have the ability to share uh, my wealth or my gifts with people around me. I think it's just always been a part of me. And I think that has something to do with that, uh, with why I decided to reach out to other people to ultimately bring them on board and pay them to help me do that. Because I feel like if I'm growing, then I might as well I'll, you know, have people around me grow, grow also, because I do feel like that is a partnership in a way, you know, if I'm offering you money to pay for what you're doing, you are doing it for me granted, but I'm also giving you business. So I don't feel like it's just, I'm hiring you as an employee. I do feel like it's a partnership. So that has always been something that I was really adamant about. And I've been doing that since I got into the health industry I would always refer people to massage therapists that I knew or dietitians that I knew or any anyone, any sort of like, you know, health field. And so I was like, this was just natural for me to refer to to hire someone to help me, like a lawyer or an accountant or and of course, shout out to Jess Graham. Uh, she was an amazing help for me. You know, she you know, she was someone that I seeked help from and she referred well, awesome tell, them who Jazz, tell them who Jasmine Graham is. <laughs> Jazz Graham is a business owner. She was the person. She she was someone that I met and I I rented a facility from when I first start, actually uh, left the company and started working for myself. So she used to own a studio and I would rent the studio um, and I work out there with my clients. And right now she she is very successful online business. So. Yeah, and she's always been, I felt like she's been very, very helpful. And I always felt like she was very accommodating in the sense of like, 
I'm going to give you information. She has a big heart. And so lots of love to right. Jazz. So one thing that I, I, and shout out to Coach Jazz. Jazz is amazing. And no relation, but we got the last name. <laughs> <laughs> Refer is something that I do as well. But I meant in terms of not doing it all. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, we have the skill level to do a lot of different things. And we, 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 we end up doing it on our own. Not because we, we don't want to hire somebody, but because we, we don't want to almost give up part of our company almost well it feels like to me anyway well i mean i also feel that way as well but also i got to a place where i i knew that i just wanted to do the creative part of it and i knew that there's certain things that i don't want to do like it's very clear to me now that there's certain things i don't want to do like one of them was researching how to do the train mark i was not going to be doing that i was going to be training my clients and focusing on that and that's what i was going to do Another thing was hiring somebody to help with my social media. I knew that I didn't want to do it because I just generally didn't want to. I was going to help out and I was going to participate in how it, how it happened, but I knew that I wanted help. But you bring out a point that um, is very important, you know, in the sense of like you got to get to a place that you can kind of like let go of some of the reins of the control of, of, what you, of, of your business. And that's why it took me so long to hire people and actually like take on a role of being a leader in hiring someone and actually taking them to, through a training because I was just like, I don't want to do it. I feel like no, there is absolutely no one out there that's good, you know? And then I was like, I, you're going to be doing this for a very long time. And that's the mentality you're going to have, you know? So I was like, what is my, like, you know, and I always talk to you about that and that's like what is your what is my goal what's my priority what do I want to do do I want to always be a trainer or do I want to move my business forward so it's uh, it's hard you literally have to question yourself and you have to work you have to literally let go of the attachment you have to let go of this control of how you want things to happen and it translates into everything. It translates into your relationships. It translates into your, how you run your business. And it translates into a lot of things. Because if you're constantly going to micromanage people in your life and you want them to like do things the way you want them to do, you're going to do everything alone. And then you're not going to go far. You're literally going to be doing it all alone by yourself. Oh, I know. Little, Trust me, I know. You know. <laughs> so how do you go from employee to trainer to business owner? It was something that would happen just very naturally for me because I'm not very good at following rules that other people set. I like working for myself. I think it's um, it's pretty natural for me to be a leader. I'm a, I'm a natural leader. I've always had jobs that required me to be a management and I was very good at it. And I think that's why it kind of just, I kind of just flowed for me to step into the role of owning the business. But there are a lot of elements of being an employee and only having one job and having to run a whole business all together. So, of course, I had help. I hired a business coach to help me get to a different level and make make a different, more money ultimately, and also get my business to a different place. And also use some of your advice because you're pretty good at that. Yeah, so I definitely had help, but I think I also just genuinely really loved working for myself and never really felt like I belonged anywhere as an employee. So tell me what, I know you, you, um, you had some, uh, some difficulties at your last place that you worked, worked at, but what do you see now being a boss of a business differently than you did when you worked for your last employer? 
something that you've taken from him that was positive? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is the structure, the foundations that you create. You know, one of the things that I did like working for him was having operation system. So there was a way that uh, all the clients were scheduled and that's I took that from working with him. I thought that was a good idea. I also took away a reward system, you know, that you give to your clients and also the personal relationships that you build with clients, the importance of that, you know, that's definitely something that I've, I think I picked up working with him. Unfortunately, you know, he took that as to be more important than building relationships with um, the trainers and the people that work with him. And that's, I think, is detrimental to the business that he has because he has a hard time holding on to people that are, that are loyal and good and will help the business grow instead of constantly finding new people and uh, trying to work with them. You know, I value my employees and I want them to grow and I want them to be successful along with me, not just you're only going to get successful with me. They are a part of the journey with me. They're not just, I'm not absorbing them into myself. I don't want that. I don't, I don't think that's fair. And I also don't think that that's how you, how you become successful as a business person. I hear that a lot from people who own businesses. They say, oh, I, I love my team and I want them to be a part of what I'm doing. Seldom do I see them actually do it. In what ways would you say that you're doing that with your current team and who these amazing, these amazing team members we know so well? Well, right now I have, um, I have two girls, the Chantal Vital and Elizabeth Titola. I personally picked them. You know, I, I came to Chantal at a gym and I was like, Hey, what's up? She's like, who is this strange woman talking to me? And we started talking about Instagram and then, uh, I asked her to talk to me over coffee a little bit about, what her goals are and what she's interested in and see if uh, she'll be interested in coming on board. You know, from the get-go, I've been very set on allowing her to do what she wanted, you know, in terms of like, you can have, you can do your own class if you wanted to in your own time. You can work for whoever you want to, you know, because you are my independent contractor. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like you are still working for yourself, even though you're working with my clients and work with O-Train Wellness Umbrella. And I've always, I think in a way, we've always had our conversations that were friendly, you know, and, and we were able to learn from each other. It wasn't just me like schooling her on life and then she's just like sitting there like absorbing it. Uh, it was always like a two-way street. And I think it's important to have relationships where you can grow from each other and you are growing together. And, you know, I feel like the better I do, the better she does and vice versa. Because if she does amazing on Instagram, she posts a video out that does really well, then it's to my benefit. And Elizabeth is from Ukraine, funny enough. And funny enough also. Is she your other trainer? Yeah, she's my other trainer. She, uh, sometimes when we post Instagram stories, people think that it's me. (laughs) There was a slight resemblance. Yeah, I mean, funny enough, well, there's a lot of people in Ukraine that look like us. We actually don't look at all alike, (laughs) but for some reason in America we do. We do have similar haircuts though. She's really quite special uh, because 
she's super driven and very motivated to step into her role and she wants to you know promote healthy nutrition through healthy living and positive message and how to make that happen and she's very passionate and I think that's something that I was attracted to with her you know and she also knows what she wants she's very particular about like how she wants things done and I think that's very admirable and instead of like shutting that down you know and saying oh no you're gonna do it the way I say like the the challenge for me is to figure out a way that I can work with her to feel like it's it's beneficial you know same thing with that we're, we're both growing from it and it's not just me telling her what to do it's also her contributing to the company and uh, coming up with ideas and then we brainstorm together and how to make them happen so I think a lot of it has to do with uh, working with your uh, the people that work for you or with you to help them grow along the side of you and not just tell, imposing your wishes on them and shutting down anything they have to offer, saying that that's like too much, that's too intimidating for me. Is that something that you've dealt with a lot in, in past businesses that you've worked for? Well, I mean, honestly, as a woman, I've, I've definitely encountered that a lot with working for men. And a lot of times what you have, what you hear is that's how it's going to be done and you're just going to do it because I said so. And I grew up that way. You know, my dad was someone that had like the, the say in what things, what happens in our family, you know? So i I have a hard time with saying no to that. That's definitely something that I've been working on personally in allowing myself to get to a place where I don't just go along with what people say to me, especially people of authority or older than me. Because there's a part of like, there's like the little Alessia that's like, oh my God, you're older than me. I'm just going to go along with what you say. And then honestly, like when I don't listen to myself, when I, I have someone in front of me that is in, in authority and they're telling me what to do and I, I'm not like checking in to see like if this is really what I want to do, it's always um, in detriment. It's never positive. Like, so as long as if it's, if you feel like it's on the same plane as what I'm actually genuinely feeling inside, then it will work out. But if it's not, then, and I go along with it just because like, it's been like programmed into my brain to just do what I'm supposed to do, then it never works out. If you had a conversation with the younger Alessia, what advice would you take from her as an adult? You know, um, I think the biggest thing for me is to play. To play in a way that I enjoy it. To enjoy the little things. And by play, I mean like going on vacation, actually enjoying the vacation. Whittling is my new thing that I just started, you know, and I think that's um, that's a part of what is whittling. It's a carving wood. And I was like, why not? So I decided to try it out. And I think just trying things that are genuinely can make me happy and just doing them and not feeling like I have to do what I'm supposed to do all the time. And if I'm spending too much time doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing, then I'm not progressing forward. When you say not supposed to be doing, what do you mean by that? Well, so growing up, I, it was like if you're if you're playing around and you're not actually like learning or studying or reading, gotta be reading, then you're wasting time. So it's like time spent for yourself is a waste of time. If I mm. genuinely enjoy what I'm doing and it's my own little thing and I love it, can't do too much of that can't have too much of good thing you got to do just a little bit and then you got to go back to studying and reading and all this other stuff so I mean my grandmother's an amazing example of like someone that has 
always pushed herself, even at like 78 years old, learning how to speak German because we were taking German in school, you know. But she also, I felt, I feel like she, I don't know if she had a great balance of like taking care of herself. She would always work. It would never, like even up until like she passed away, she was always doing something. Right. And so you think as a positive or do you mean as a negative? I think it could be a negative. I think it okay. could be a negative if, if we don't know the balance between, and I know people say balance a lot. It's like, oh, we need to have a balance. Like, what does that mean? You know, I think for me um, to get to a place where I felt like I was feeling like I could do both, like actually work and then actually enjoy my life. That took me a long time. I'm still working on that, honestly. I decided that instead of planning, so uh, my business coach wants me to plan out um, like 90 days of, of a goals for my business. So in the past, what I would do is I would, I would write them out, I would plan them out, and then I would attempt to make that all happen in two weeks. And of course I would like drive myself crazy because I would be so disappointed that I can't make these like 90 days worth of goals happen in two weeks. And then there's something wrong with me. And like, why can't I make this happen? And then as I continued, I realized that I don't have to do that. I could just do one thing at a time. And the way I do that now is I still have like a, a weekly, I plan out my week for and I do it on Monday but I only do it one day I don't do it for like seven days every seven days I write things down I only do it one day on Monday and honestly it has given me so much satisfaction to write it down and accomplish those two three goals that I write myself down to do for that week it literally changed my life is there a part of you that feels that if you're not accomplishing your goals that you are somehow failing a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a part of me that believes that I have to be like, I have to be already 10 steps ahead of where I am, you know, and that for the longest time until I started to really like quiet myself down and listen to myself and a lot of, a lot of like me time, you know, meditating, like writing, whittling, <laughs> painting, things that are, that bring me joy. Yeah. You know, things that I never used to make time for things that just like, like life and work would absorb me to a place where I would literally get sick every, like when I first started as a trainer, which was about three years ago, I remember I was still bartending and I worked myself to the ground. I started to lose hair. Like I used to have very long hair when I was younger up until like three, four years ago. And I was so stressed out and I would only sleep for like maybe I would, so I would be bartending, I'll get home at like one and I would have to be up at four to go to work. So I would sleep for nothing. And I was very malnourished because I, I was like trying to look amazing and I had no time to eat. And so like my life was so fast that I constantly felt like I, I had to like play catch up to like what I should be already because I'm too old. And because like, why am I not there yet? You know, so you have this like very negative spiral that you can fall into that it's really hard to crawl out of. And now, you know, as I'm starting to get, like I said, you know, find the foundation and get my footing on a very solid ground, I'm starting to listen to myself and realize where these negative thoughts are coming from. And the more you question them, the more you realize that you have the ability to stop them. You have the ability to stop them and then you can have the ability to figure out where are they coming from. And once you figure that out, it's literally like it's, it's like a magical hand that sweeps over you and you just don't, don't think about it anymore. Is there something that you've practiced that helps you um, hone into what's when you're being negative and then how do you work through it? 
Well, when I first moved to New York, I feel like moving here has kind of been like a beginning of my spiritual journey in a lot of ways, because I realized that if I didn't have something to hold on to that was outside, that was besides like my own physical self or like physical things that I have in my life, I'm just going to be lost. I was very depressed when I first moved here. I had nothing. Like I was literally on the bottom of the barrel, you know, kept going into these relationships that was just like very not good for me. And I, I was, I felt like I was empty. Like I had a hole in my heart and there was, there's nothing that could fill it. No matter how many guys I slept with, no matter how many, you know, alcoholic beverages I had, I had to get to a place where I was like, I, I had to find something, you know, I just, I was grabbing on for things, you know, and I think yoga and spirituality and also, you know, really getting to a place where I was like finding the inner peace and gods inside of myself, like the value of my body, the value of my mind, the things that God gave me that I like, you know, or goddess that I, I just took for granted for the longest time, blaming my parents, blaming the world, blaming my situation, all the stuff, you know, and not cherishing what I had and always had in front of me, which was me, you know, and I think people have a hard time spending time with themselves challenge to actually be intimate with yourself being intimate with yourself is something that you have to learn you know just like you're not born with it I mean at least I wasn't so that's been a very very interesting journey because I find out things about myself that I every single day that I don't I don't I never thought I I would you know and, and there's more and more and it's like oh my god like I'm so full of all the amazing things <laughs> right you know so so I would like to know what advice would you give for a, um, a a person pursuing the entrepreneurial endeavors? Is there any kind of advice you would give? I would say uh, make sure that you follow your passion, not money. Make sure that you have a desire to go somewhere and do something and make sure it's something that could benefit other people because at the end, and it could, it doesn't have to be like you going out and helping out like homeless or children or whatever. It could be something that will eventually make you money, you know, not to say that those things will not, but I'm saying it's, it could be like working at an office, but because you're working at an office and you are somehow tying that to helping others, then it will be way more so beneficial to you. Um, you will just feel better as a human being when you do something that ties into helping others. Because I'm telling you, there's nothing more satisfying than realizing that you made a difference in someone else's life. It, there's nothing compared to it. Nothing. No alcohol, no drug, nothing. That's something that people throw out. They say, follow your passion. I mean, I've said it myself. But when I think when people hear follow your passion, it's almost like, Besides that, like, how does following my passion, what does it mean? And how does it, and why not just follow the money? I don't have to love it. Well, I'm going to tell you that, you know, I, I knew that I was going to be a healer very long time ago. Like when I, when I was in high school, I told my parents I wanted to be a doctor and they laughed at me. They said, all the people in our family are historians or geographers. There's no way you're going to be a doctor. The thing is, is there are so many different doctors. You don't have to be a doctor like a surgery doctor. You can be like a psychologist, or which is what I'm going to do now. I knew that there's a part of me from a very young age that wanted to do this, this thing. This like I wanted to contribute to the well, to the health and and 
joy and wealth of other people. So I'm not saying that you're going to know all the time because I had no idea. I took this huge loop around in my life to get to this place again where I'm at now. I had no, like I wasn't, in high school, I wasn't taking steps to becoming a doctor. I I was, I mean, and uh, my first job was a lifeguard, then I was a dog trainer, then I was a bartender, then I was a server, then I was a server again and a bartender, then I worked as an as a CPA assistant, then I worked like a thousand different jobs, you know, so that had nothing to do with what I and what I'm doing now. And then you start to notice you find yourself in moments when you're doing something, you just feel this joy from doing it. That's your passion. But why do that over <laughs> just getting money? I'm saying. I mean, there is a huge leap that you have to take to go and do what you love rather than chase money. Like you have to trust in the fact that what you're going to, what you love to do is going to make you money. Like, and there is nothing that can guarantee you that nothing. You can't like look in the future and be like, yeah, I'm definitely going to make money doing this. You have to trust in yourself that you will dedicate yourself enough to this thing that you love that will eventually make you money. Right. And if it doesn't, at least it feeds your soul. I think that eventually it will make you you money. You think it will? Okay. Yes. And there is a way that you can get to it. Like you might not, you might not take a direct route. Like, you know, I'm eventually going to be dealing, doing more of uh, healing of the mind, mind, body and soul altogether. Where right now I'm just focusing on the body. Eventually I'll do all three. But that was my gateway. That was my in into doing what I wanted to do. You know, it doesn't have to be right away that one thing that you're supposed to be doing. It could be something that's like a sideline to where you need to be. But then you do end up getting there and you will make money doing it. I know that you will because that's what happened to me. I didn't think that I would be at a place where I'm at because I constantly felt like there was another, there's other things that I should be doing to make money. And it's only when I trusted in that unknown, in that, in that not knowing what's going to happen and letting go of some of the reins of that control. That's when it all started to happen for me. I like that answer, actually. (laughs) The other one was a little vague. I like that, (laughs) you know, people say, follow your passion, but that actually, as you're speaking, it gives me a gateway into what your mindset is in that. Because, you know, a lot of times you will hear someone, they'll say, follow your passion, right? But never to the point of, like you said, if you do it and you put yourself into it, eventually you will you will enjoy it first, but you will make money eventually. Mm-hmm. And I do agree that it is better to make money doing something that you love than to make money doing something that you hate to do. Because then you, you all, it's, there's always this game of like, is this really worth my, this is really worth my time. Is it worth the energy that I'm putting into it? Where something like that is, it's feeding you, you're feeding it and it just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot to sacrifice, you know, especially if you have kids and you have a job and I mean, you have a house to take care of, you know, to like tell you, yeah, right now you have to quit this job that you're doing that's paying for all that stuff and then commit yourself a hundred percent to this thing. It's obviously too much to ask. And, you know, I had to, I had to get to a place where I was doing both. Like I was doing what I really cared about and I was working as a bartender still to like pay, pay my rent. And it was detrimental to my health and it was detrimental to a lot. Like, I, I mean, I, I was absolutely running myself to the ground when I was doing that. But here's the thing is if you don't do that, if you don't, if you, if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, or you want to be successful at something and you don't feel at one point in that journey that you're like, losing it or something or like, I can't, I, I just can't do this anymore. 
then you're not doing the right things and you're not trying hard enough. You're just not, you're just cruising. Because I, at that moment, I felt like, I felt like, a, you know, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Like this was like literally killing me. Yeah. I feel like people get to that point of, I can't do this anymore, but don't take any steps to get, to, to get out of what they're doing. Here's the thing. And then you you know, you're just, you're saying exactly like the point is if you, if you're just going to be complaining about something and not making any steps in the, in, and, and here's the thing is I'm, I'm not talking about, this is what my old me used to think. I should already be like, my website should be running. I should have a, like a, a class online. I should have all the stuff going where I'm just like having an idea of this is something that I want to do. So my brain runs a thousand miles an hour ahead of, ahead of myself. And I go from A to Z instead of going A, B, C. And also, I mean, part of it is because I don't really have like an old me had no patience at all, like zero patience. And honestly, like I want to bring up the pandemic because like that did had, um, I want to say to me, it was a, a huge, reward to me personally because it actually that the pandemic and having the ability to stay at home and not having a choice in that sense made me start to pay attention to myself way more than I ever did in in the past and that's what started to really put things together for me and made me successful for not just somebody that's running a business and dri- driving herself to the ground, but somebody that can enjoy the pr- fruits of my own labor. You know, I think a lot of times we, as people that own businesses, we just don't know how to do that. We just like money, 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 make it, make it, make it. And then we don't take the time to like really enjoy the, the fruits of what you accomplished. You know, and I think it, it made me slow down. And I think it did that for a lot of people. It made you slow down and it made you like really wonder like what is like what is it that that I'm trying to do? Like what is I mean, not everyone, but some well, you people know. are still partying. <laughs> but, right, right. But I feel like a lot of people had to like face themselves. You know, and that's the thing. Sometimes it's the scariest things to face yourself. One thing the pandemic did wake up for me, um, which I already felt, but it even reinforced it was having one source of income is a problem. If you think of any entrepreneur, anyone, none of those people have one source of income. They have multiple streams. Right. And the thing is, is that I think for me, the biggest, the biggest misconception was, is that I thought that when you say different streams of income, I was thinking of like, I should be doing all these like different things, you know? So I was thinking, oh, I should like run my business, but then I should also go and do this other thing on the side where it could be like, and be like a a herbal nutritionist on the side. And (laughs) then I should just go and do this other thing, you know? And that was the problem. That was the misconception for me is because I was thinking that I have to like dilute my attention to like all of these things that are, have absolutely nothing to do with my business. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. Like, I don't want to do that. And then I started to realize that I could still, I could uh, have different streams of income within my business, which would mean that I have, uh, like right now I'm working on an online platform. Like, so you can buy my, my training online, which will be a stream of income that I don't have to be directly, you know, connected to all the time. I don't have to be there one-on-one when you're working out. Or another thing would be to sell my merchandise. You know, that is another stream of income, you know, and that's, I think that once I started to put those things together, I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, where before Mm -hmm. I was just like thinking that, 
oh, I need to be doing like all of these different things and like spreading my attention to like all these different directions. So I'm like, how am I going to stay successful if I'm going to do that? You know, so I was confused until I like was finally like using you as an example. And I started to realize that it doesn't have to be different from what you're doing. It just has to be a different direction from the business that you're already doing. Right. How is it working as a woman in a male dominated industry like the fitness industry? Well, it depends on how you approach it. I think you can um, just go ahead and play a victim and think that you can't get things accomplished and blame it on the fact that you're a woman because I've definitely worked with a few trainers that would blame the fact that, you know, they're they're women, that they're not getting as many clients as like their male counterparts, like when I was working at big gyms. And um, I just decided not to believe that and decided to go for it and just put my best effort into whatever I was doing. And it was, and I was successful at it. I think uh, I was able to kind of avoid uh, being seen as just a woman because of how good I was at what I was doing. So people just, people always thought I was a badass at what I was doing. So Right. One day you came in and you mentioned there was a trainer who you had a run-in with. So tell me the story about that Russian trainer that you had a run-in with. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I know these things. So tell me, tell us the full story about what happened and then how you handled it. Oh, uh, so one day I came to the gym and I just walked in and was minding my own business. And he was like, Oh, so you don't say hi to elder people. And I was like, what? And he's like, you're supposed to like say hello to like people that are older than you. I was like, I don't have to say anything if I don't want to. And he like took serious offense to that and thought I was like rude. It's funny that it's not like this was not the first time that I encountered this person. So I chose to behave this way because of something that he's done in the past. One time I was in the gym with one of my trainers, Chantal, and she was working on the other side of the gym and I was with my client on the other side. And so this guy was right next to her. So I didn't really know what went down, but all I heard was him turn around and scream at her for like moving this bench or like whatever, something like super loud, making everyone turn around and look at him. And I was like, do not yell at my trainer. And he looked at me like, what <laughs> just happened? So we already had a run in. And I was like, you're not going to be speaking to my trainers like that. You're not. So he like didn't say a word, just kind of like kind of said like, you know, mumble something to himself and then keep going with whatever he was doing. And I was just like, Chantal, like don't interact with him, just like stay away from him. So that was the first the first time. And then um, he was just like he would he would kind of just be very um, angry all the time. And you can feel it in like the environment when he was in the gym with you. So I just like stayed away from him because if you're negative and you want to be a, a, an asshole, like I don't have to be around you. I don't have to interact with you. Like I have no problem with that. So that is why when I walked into the gym that day, like I didn't say anything to him. And so he's like, oh, you're, you're supposed to like say hello. And I was like, well, when you learn some manners, we will be talking. And so I went into the bathroom and obviously he didn't like that. And then I came out and he was like still like doing something by um, like the stretch tables. And I started to work with my client. And 
one of the owners were sitting at a, at a table. And so all of a sudden he starts like screaming at me and talking like very rude in Russian. So the only, the only person I understand what's happening is me. So the whole time he's like talking um, like shit, basically saying like, like, who are you? Like this little girl that like thinks that, you know, things like I'm like this Russian athlete that has won Olympic medals and things like that. And like, you're a piece of shit. And like, I can't believe like, blah, blah, blah. So he's talking the whole time. So I'm turning to the owner. I'm like, he's abusing me verbally right now. So you need to do something about this. So she's like this dainty little woman. <laughs> she's like, you have to stop. And he's like, not paying attention to her at all. So like, he could keep, keep, keeps going and going. And I was like, you need to stop. Um, so so I, I'm, I told, because first of all, I'm in the middle of session. Like, so my client is like, what is going on? Nobody's understanding what he's saying. So he keeps going. Then finally, like the owner ha is able to get him out of there, you know, but not before like he like said every, all the bad things he could think of, like to address towards me, you know, and what's funny about this whole situation is after that, he uh, ended up sending flowers to everyone that was involved in like the incident, like including me and the owner and like this other girl that was there involved because he was just like a really angry person in general. I thought that was really funny because like, oh, OK, so you act, think you can act whichever way you want to and then you can send us flowers and we're just going to forget everything happened. And oh, so nice, you know. Right. So what happened after that? So did he did he stay in the gym? Did no, um, I told the owners that if he doesn't get out of here, I'm just going to take all my clients and leave. And he, they were like, um, no, don't worry about that. So right. so that same day, like he was banned from the gym. They took away his keys. And yeah, because because well first of all verbal abuse second of all like they knew better and this is not the first time that he's done that to a female in general and he's just burned a lot of bridges in the past so he that was the last straw for him also ultimately but no i was like i'm not dealing with that i'm not going to be you know in an environment where i feel like i'm being abused by some old dude that thinks that he's better than me somehow because he has some award right but do you think that you've encountered this with trainers before that are male because you're a female yeah, I mean, I've also, female and young, you know, um, I've encountered this with trainers that thought that I didn't know what I was talking about, you know, and uh, it's funny because generally when, when I would get in, go into a new gym and people would, would like look at me, they, they assume right away that I'll be one of those trainers that just kind of like jumps around with their, and then once they see me actually work, then they start to develop respect for me. And they can also see it by the way that the the client treats me also like because you can tell the respect that they have the client has with the trainer just by the way that they are operating and how hard they're working but do you ever feel like when you mention something like this that the people at the gym like the ones running the gym did they take it seriously right away or did it take you some time for them to really respect what you had to say I would tell them every time, you know, because uh, I had like two or three like confrontations with him before like the big one happened. Like I would tell them about it. And so the first time I told them, they basically told him that he cannot be in the gym at the same time that I was there. So they always did something about it. You know, they, they didn't just like pretend like nothing was happening. So I, I, I did feel like I was heard in when I was addressing these issues. When that happened, I, they also, of course, took my side and didn't even like, well, obviously, because one of them was there. So she knew what happened. I, mean, I think even if I if um, if she wasn't there, you know, I would still feel safe that the reason why I wanted to bring it up to you and why I didn't. When you said that um, you don't really have any issues with men and I know you ran into a situation. And so I didn't want it to be a thing where a woman hears that and says, you never have ran into any problems at all. 
Well, I mean, I think it's funny that I, initially I said, you know, oh, I don't, I don't think I've ever had problems. But then, you know, the more <laughs> when you brought up that story that I guess I just don't, you know, because it was resolved for me, I didn't have any like I didn't hold on to it and I didn't have any anger or anything like residue left for it. Where in the past, you know, when I was in, in situations where I felt like I was being treated unfairly, I would have the story running through my head because I didn't resolve the story. Right. Where were these situations? Because I said something to the man, I, I didn't have anything else to say. And I was like, it was out of my system. You know what I mean? So that was the important part for me to be able to speak up my mind, even though I felt like it might cause confrontation. But I was like, you can't talk to me like that. Like, why do you think it's OK for you to come? And like, while I'm working with my client mm -hmm. and tell me that, like, what are they even doing over there with that straight bar? Like, Wait, you tell me that story. <laughs> what happened exactly? Like I was working with one of my clients who's actually pretty strong and she's, she was also pregnant. She was doing like straight bar squats, like which a straight bar is like, it's like 35 pounds. So right. it was already uh, plenty of weight for her being pregnant. So this guy was like in the gym, I guess he was waiting for the, for the squat rack. He kept like coming over and like, you know, like I saw him lingering while, while she's like working. And then he would turn around to her, his like girl he was with and he would like shake his head and be like, and then I heard him, you know, I heard him say, he's like, I just, what are they even doing over there? You know, so, so I like, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll be right back. So I go over there. I'm like, are you making fun of my client? Cause he like, he, I heard him ranting and like running his mouth. And so he looks at me like with his wide eyes open, like, you know, I can't believe you're talking to me. So I was like, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything. And then he was like, like still wide open, right. none, none of the words coming out of his mouth. <laughs> then I turned around and continued working with my client. So then, I, and then, you know, the management of the gym told me like, oh, you can't talk to clients like that. I'm like, I'm sorry, you will not be over here like harassing me while I'm working with my client and like talking nasty stuff about her. Like he said other things that like, I don't remember exactly, but it was like basically saying like, oh, you're just like, so, like, what are you even like? doing over there attempting to do this it was like really rude and so the gym they at first they tried to back him oh they backed him 100 really? they didn't back me this so he complained uh, did he he complained oh, yeah. about it he, Interesting. he was supposed to like so they were the he was there with his girlfriend trying out the facility and like people were supposed to like walk on eggshells around him clearly like let him have whatever equipment he wanted and i was like no you can't just like act like a complete asshole only because you think that gym belongs to you it doesn't Right. Wow. That's good. And you mentioned another thing with a guy who closed the windows. What, what was that? What happened with that? Well, it's the same gym. Like, uh, uh, it's not the same facility where um, the owners actually like took my side and listened to my story. This is a different place. Like mm. some of you got some, some, some of the trainers know this place. So I'm not going to mention the name. Um, Why not? <laughs> well, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> put them on blast. <laughs> No, nah, you don't have to. I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. it's a, it's like a, it's a Russian-owned gym on the Upper East Side. Some I, crappy I'll gym. Say, I'll say that much. Well, I mean, yeah, it has its, it has its things, but, um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, it was just they, they just attract really weird clientele, and people are really aggressive there, you know. So this dude was like, he's like in his maybe seventies, walking around. It was hot, and there was no air conditioning in the gym. Imagine it's like, it's like middle of August, and it's there's no AC. So they're like, oh, yeah, just keep the windows open and like, hopefully, you know, you'll get some wind. So I'm like, OK, this is awful. Like, you're going to fix this, right? And I, so they're like, yeah, yeah, one day. So this, this has been like two weeks at this point. There's no AC. So this dude decides to like walk around and close the windows because it's like drafty or whatever. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, shut up, just shut up. And I was like, oh, what the hell was that? Like, what are you doing? Like, what? So, so I opened the window, obviously, you know, and then he like walked away and then 
the interesting part about like that was that I guess he like thought about what, how he was behaving because he's like an older dude, you know, I didn't really do anything to him. I just asked him, why is he closing the window? <laughs> so then he did have like, you know, the sense to come up to me and be like, I'm really sorry. I was having a bad day. So like, I didn't mean to like, you know, lash out on you. So, you know, I was like, you know, we all have those days. So, right. you know, it's okay. I, like just. So you didn't get a pass. Yeah. Did, did you think that you didn't say anything because he was so old or because you just were just like, I'm not going to deal with him? In terms of what? Like you didn't, like in the beginning, you didn't, like when you opened the windows, but you didn't respond to him like you did the other guy. You think it's because of his age or because you just were like, I'm not going to deal with him? Um, I mean, honestly, like I was, again, in the middle of session. Always in the session, uh, wow. Right, it's always like in the middle of session when something happens. Um, And then, and then I, I just, like he, when I, when I said, what are you doing? And he lashed out and walked away. I wasn't going to go chase him. So I was just like, whatever, like. As long as you're not over here trying to close it again, like, I don't even care. Yeah, it just wasn't worth it at that moment. And so how is it when you, when you're, when you're in a situation and you, you encounter somebody like that, what do you think is going through their mind when you respond? Well, I mean, you know, I grew up in a environment where as a woman, you're supposed to behave very um, nice and not really say anything especially if you like, you know, it's not expected for, for women to respond and especially in a way where they're like defending themselves, you know, and, um, and they actually have a point. They're not like screaming or crying. They're like, why are you doing this? I'm asking you a question. And I think it's shocking to them. And because the reaction that I get, are usually like mouth open. They don't even know what to say. Like, oh my God, is she talking to me right now? <laughs> you know, and I know the, I know, um, I know that I'm, uh, you know, my demeanor and like the way I look is very like authoritative, you know, so people look at me and they're like, Oh my God, like she, like she's like strong and standing up for herself, <laughs> you know? So, so I think that that to them is intimidating, which I'm okay with that. Like if you're going to be an asshole, I'm going to say something just that's it. Right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so you said that that's the kind of environment you grew up in, but what makes you behave the way you behave? What makes you speak up for yourself? Because in the past, when I didn't speak up to myself, I would just have these thoughts like, you know, literally ruining my life because I would replay these moments and episodes in my life where I didn't say a word and I just like swallowed my words and I felt like this like hopeless little being expecting to be saved by others. And I hated that feeling, you know, I hated not speaking up and I, I would I would like just always beat myself up. I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have just said something as I got older and I started to like through therapy and energy work and all the different things that I've done on helping myself being able to express myself better. Toastmasters International also helped me to be able to express my thoughts in a, in a cohesive way and not be afraid to sound relevant. What's Toastmasters? I know it is, but for my guess. Uh, Toastmasters is a speaking club where you learn how to become a better speaker. Um, and it's, I loved it when I was in person because uh, I learned a lot from being able to fight through your fears when you're standing in front of a bunch of people and speaking. I'm not a super fan of it on Zoom. So that's part of the reason why I didn't continue when it, when it became virtual, just because public speaking in front of a huge group of people in person is a, a bit different than sitting in your own house and talking to a screen. So that's just, yeah, so... It's pretty, it's pretty cool because it teaches you how to, how to be eloquent in your thoughts and actually go to get to the point of what you're trying to say rather than ramble. Right. Tell me something that you've accomplished that you didn't expect to. 
That's a good question. Well, I think the biggest one was when the pandemic happened, I was thinking of launching an online pl platform, teaching clans virtually. And I was just stalling it. I didn't want to do it. I could never do this virtually. I am a in-person trainer. And then a pandemic was like, joke's on you. <laughs> so I, I had a choice, you know, I had a choice to, to discontinue training altogether or I can go virtual. And I had a little mental breakdown, like I was crying and I was there. having a moment. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I didn't, I, I just, I can't do this. This is not going to work. This is, that's it. I'm going to not, I'm, that's it. Let's just take a breath and let's move forward from here. And I think because I, I just gave myself totally to my clients and they know that. They trusted that I could do the same for them virtually and it worked out really well. And so when, I mean, March and April was my most profitable months this month, this year, because people trusted that I could, you know, that I could be there for them. I can hold their hand through this and I could support them and I can talk them through it and they could still accomplish goals and they could still move forward. We don't have to stall and we don't have to wait. We don't have to put things on hold. We can continue moving forward. And I think people were looking for a sense of normality in like the chaos that we were living in. And I was able to offer that to my clients, that sense of normality. I think that was something that I was a bit surprised with myself about that I was able to pull that off, you know, and you were not surprised. You were like... Knew it. No, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> so one of the things that I, I would say about you that what doesn't surprise me is is even when we first met and um, how we met. Oh, I forgot about that part. We didn't. <laughs> so I'm going to do something that I never get a chance to do. Whenever we meet somebody, you, you always say, you tell the story. Today, you're going to tell the story about how we met. <laughs> how do we meet? Um, well, I was hanging out with my friend, Z, Z Andre. And we ended up going to a lounge in Midtown. And we were having a good time, having a few drinks. And then I was wearing a shirt that had a backless, was backless. It had like two little strip, like three little like beaded strips on the back. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, I was I was talking to Z and my back was turned towards the back of, towards the room. And all of a sudden I felt like somebody's finger drawing on my back. So I turned around and I was <laughs> and I saw this dude just like like smiling at me. So I punched him in the face. <laughs> and, so, and all of a sudden his friends are like trying to hover over me i was like are you out of your mind did you just seriously drew on my on my back with your finger so they're like what's your problem blah blah i'm like no so so we got into this argument this fight and then his friends were like we're so sorry blah 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 so they started to pull pull him away but he keeps getting aggressive then all of a sudden z gets involved and she starts to fight with the guy so i have to I have to pull Z away. So it's like this brawl that's happening. And then the bouncers come and they're like, what's going on? <laughs> and I was like, this guy just drew on my back. And then the, his friends were like, no, he didn't. Anyway, so the bouncer leaves and I'm still like really like shaken from this like person that just like decided to invade my physical body. So then I decided to go to the bar and just like leave all this nonsense behind and like get myself a drink. So Z's like doing her thing, talking to these people and I'm at a bar getting myself a drink so then I hear this voice behind me and this guy come says 
that's a really nice shirt you're wearing. So I turn around and I'm like, I'm like, thanks for not drawing on me. <laughs> I was like, thank you. But thanks for not drawing on my back. And he's like, my mom taught me better than that. And I was like, this guy kind of looks cute. So I turned around and I like introduced myself and, she, and then he introduced himself and that was glam. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then we like ended up having like a drink and then that was that was it. That was That's how it started. That was that. So I like the way you tell the story because you literally approached me when I was standing in between these two giant dudes that were still trying to talk to me, like the, the residue of that party that was trying to separate the fight. Yeah. And I was not having it. So then I thought that you were like a part of their, their clan. Yeah. And, and I was like, are you with these people? And you were like, nope. <laughs> so I was like, oh, good. But you had like, you absolutely just came up and started talking to me, like without paying no mind to these giant men that were just like surrounding me, which yeah. I thought was really funny. Well, I didn't believe that. I didn't believe like, I t so my, my, my side of the story is when I came into the party and I saw, um, these two giants, like you between these two giant guys, your body language said that you were not together. And I guess it's a Bronx thing. Shout out to the Bronx. But we don't, like if there's something that we want, uh, we live in the Bronx, we don't, we don't, we're not going to hesitate. And so one of my friends, um, shout out to Fox, he was like, I am not going over there with you. <laughs> and I said, I don't need you. I said to come. I said, 10 minutes, I'm going over there and I'm going to talk to that woman and then we'll find out if one of those guys is her boyfriend and then I'll apologize later. And so for me, um, what made me go over there is, is just like you say that all this, I didn't even, I wasn't aware of all this thing happening to you, but what I did see was, uh, the confidence you had and the way that you, you stood your ground. Um, and that's very rare, especially in, nowadays. I stand my ground. Yeah, that's true. At this point you've achieved certain goals that you hadn't expected to. What pushes you to, to move forward past something you didn't even expect to have? Well, I think the biggest <clears throat> thing is. I believe that movement is life on a, on, on a lot of different realms, you know, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. I, I believe you always have to evolve yourself and then move forward. And as long as you're moving forward, you're living. I think it's just a very natural progression forward for me to evolve. Evolution is what why we are alive. I think it's essential to constantly evolve and move forward. And if you get stuck in one place and you just refuse to adjust to what is happening, you will have a really, really hard time being in that place because everyone, everything and everyone else is continuing to move forward. Wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I can add to that. That's, that's very, uh, Profound. Very profound. <laughs> You're welcome. So we are sitting here and um, every time I do an event or I do a podcast episode, people ask for something, some kind of a, you know, drink or food. And your today was mimosas. <laughs> so you have a set a record for the person that had asked me for a mimosa. So we are drinking mimosas here. <laughs> but one thing I want to point out is we have these amazing bottles. Mm -hmm. that these mimosas came in. They're like these bedazzled bottles. They look very pretty. I'm going to post images and I'm on, mm -hmm. on Instagram. I, um, I want you to tell us a little about them and who is behind them. Uh, so the bottles are made by one of my clients. Her name is Ariel Glazer. She has uh, her own little company where she bedazzles um, bottles like uh, champagne bottles or wine bottles. And um, she just does them. She does them by hand. 
and she does she gets orders from people for like weddings and things like that and um they're really cool yeah i'm not throwing this ball away <laughs> so i want to give her a shout out as well like so how can we find her um does she have a website is she on instagram she is on instagram um it's uh glitter glaze glitter mm -hmm. let's make sure we get to get it right glaze glitter and mm -hmm. i know her as glaze glitter but what's her real name glaze and glitter her name is um ariel ariel she's Ari actually getting married soon so we're working together again i'm seeing her tonight oh wow <laughs> shout out to ariel and congratulations yeah, on your upcoming wedding and i love these bottles i just want to tell you that right now so this one is not getting thrown out. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's been here. It's so it's glaze, here. glaze and glitter. Glaze and glitter. Mm -hmm. So on Instagram, that is glaze, glaze and glitter, spelled G L A S E N, glitter, G L I T T E R, glaze, glaze and glitter. Mm -hmm. I love it. You've been doing training for a while, and there's a lot of great people that have helped you along the way. Are there any special shout outs you want to give to anybody before we end? Well. I would like to start by um, saying thank you to you, actually, because you are a big part and reason why I became independent and started working for myself. You've always inspired me and made me believe that I could do it. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I also would love to, to thank Marcel Harris for hiring me for at Equinox and seeing something in me that other people didn't see. Shout out to Marcel. And also shout out to Jazz Graham. Jazz Graham was my, is my mentor and she introduced me to a lot of really awesome people, including my accountant, Jesse, who is also somebody I want to shout out. Jesse Williams, you are a superstar. I'm really happy that you have to have you in my life. And then my lawyer also, Rose. So Jazz Our lawyer, Rose. Rose. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, I introduced Rose to Glenn. So that's yes. how they know each other. Those, those people are really important in my life and I value and cherish them. Also want to shout out to Ryan Cho for a reload PT really got, kept me on track and made me learn all the little techniques about personal training that I never thought that I could just figure out. And I want to shout out my family, uh, my dad that always has my back and always listens to everything I say, my mom who always keeps me on my toes and my cousin Vita, who is my heart and my soul. And I love her very much. And of course I love my mom and my dad but i have a special place for her so yeah that's my people's wow well thank you for coming and i just want to say that i'm super proud of you for everything that you do even standing up against you know uh different types of people especially men in this industry uh, you're one of the few women that i know that when you have an issue you never call me and say hey glenn come down here <laughs> i hear the stories as you come home and i'm always excited about how you handled it. And most of the time you handle it in a cool manner. And sometimes you tell me a story where you had to go off on somebody, but I'm very proud of the woman that you are and are becoming and that you are building this business or have built this business with, you know, two amazing trainers. Oh yeah. My girls. So I, I talked a little bit about them, but um, Chantal Vital and Elizabeth Titova, which is my Ukrainian fellow. So <laughs> they're both amazing and I'm right. happy to. Wow. Well, thank you for that. And once again, it's been a pleasure having you here. Um, you're not leaving anywhere because you actually live here. So <laughs> <laughs> I will gonna, see you later. <laughs> we're going to continue drinking our mimosas and <laughs> I will start editing your episode. All right. All right. Thanks once again for tuning into the 95 Killers podcast. You can now visit us on our website at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support.
Take care of yourself and your families and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace.